Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This election, Chicago voters are casting a ballot on much more than the president of the United States. Some of the races we will be voting on include the Cook County State's Attorney, over 60 judges, our Water Reclamation District Commissioners, and changes to our taxes. With all these races, candidates, and issues, casting an informed ballot can seem like a challenge. But Chicago Votes, a nonpartisan organization, is here to provide you with information on the candidates and issues on the ballot. Their 2020 voter guide is available digitally at chicagovotes.com and chicagoreader.com. Pull it up on your laptop, take it with you into the voting booth on your phone, and feel confident in knowing who and what you are voting for. chicagovotes.com. Discover more about our wondrous, world-class city at the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Plan your staycation exploring two floors of awe-inspiring exhibits, from our interactive city models to skyscrapers that change the world, and learn about the fascinating stories behind the fabulous facades. Book your tickets today at architecture.org. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Vendorovsky show for Tuesday, October 20th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 are sponsors, as well as our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. If you'd like to become a sponsor of the Ben Jarofsky show, we'd love to have you. Benny J show at gmail.com B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. Send us an email and I will direct that email to whoever needs to see it to help you become a sponsor of the program. Okay. We do have a song of the day. Uh, but before we do that, Ben, how, you feeling okay? You, uh, you had a little yeah. business to tend to today, right? Well, I'll get into that in a little while T. So, okay. Thanks for well, do you feel like singing a song of the day? If not, I can take care oh, of it. Come on, man. All Come right. on. All right. Yeah. Hey, 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 I'm Walter Payton. All right. Now, you don't know who he is because he's before your time. Running back. Chicago Bears, obviously. Wow. I give you credit for knowing that. But sweetness, I'll never forget. 273 yards, I want to say, against the Minnesota Vikings in 1977. He had a fever. Sweetness went out there. And ever since then, I'm like, I play in pain because I'm Walter Sweetness Payton. Give me the ball, Dave. <laughs> And no, it's not what everybody thinks. Ben is healthy in that sense, okay? He hasn't, you know, hasn't all right. tested positive for COVID. I'm just saying, you know, oh, you're yeah. fine on that end, all right? Yes, sir. Your song of the day. So. Your song of the day. Yeah, me too. Your song of the day comes from Frank, Bob Seger, old time rock and roll. I think I sang that before. 
Frank, come on, man. That's the one where Tom Cruise is uh, at the start of Risky Business. He goes, just give me some of that rock and roll. In his underwear with his glasses. All right. I put some sunglasses we've on. Are, we don't put sunglasses. I mean, you can uh, if you want. Uh, show you so rock and roll. All yeah. right. You've already done that one, though. So uh, I'll give you a song of the day. How about All the Leaves Are Brown? Oh, all the leaves are brown, the leaves are brown. And this, okay, you do, wow, that's good. You you do the chorus thing, okay? You sing back okay. at me. And the sky is gray. And the sky is gray. Stopped into a judge. Okay, we're done. The Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show starts now. <laughs> It is Tuesday, October 20th, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's the long-awaited return of host of the Doris Davenport Show. Yeah, Doris Davenport. And now your host, host of the Ben Jarofsky Show. <laughs> yeah, Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I was cracking me up with that one. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Just Tell the Truth Tuesday. And here's why. Good weekend. You have a good weekend, D? Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah, it's kind of a slow weekend for you. Yeah. Last week, he was dashing all over the state of Illinois. This week, he kind of settled in a little bit, right, huh? Oh, no. Uh, so. I went I uh, went to, what's the name of that town? Uh, Naperville over Whoa. the weekend. Yeah, they have a cool little, like, uh, river walk. Man, look at you getting around and everything. Fancy. It was fancy. Meet Kathy, who's been most everywhere. All right. Anyway, uh, not such a great weekend for me. I had minor surgery. He was alluding to it. Not that big a deal. But they took off this benign cancer thingamajigga that was on my cheek. Yes, that's the medical term for it. Benign thingamajigga. Now, I know what you're thinking. You think, Wait a minute, longtime listeners. Didn't they just hack off something off your nose? Yeah, that was last year. Remember, D? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Was it last? <laughs> right when we got our brand new high-definition camera. Yeah, so they go, they said, yeah, we're just going to take this thing, but you go off your nose, show up, and you go to work. Oh, okay, so I rolled my bike to the <laughs> doctor, <laughs> and the doctor's like, they saw the helmet. You're kidding. You rode the bike. Hello, we're going to be shooting you up with a lot of stuff. So they take out this axe, took a big chunk out. They put this huge band-aid on. I came and did the show. You talk about Walter Sweetness Peyton. Remember that, D? And they didn't For really use an axe, okay? <laughs> For 10 trivia points, who was our guest that day? Do you remember? In David Hockberg. Right. Oh, you look terrible, Benny. Oh, my God. You look <laughs> Way to go. Great bedside. Great bedside reassurance there, uh, young David Hockberg. Anyway, so I got up uh, bright and early day, rooster crowing and everything, chopped wood, headed to the doctor's. They put this giant needle. They stuck it in my cheek. This won't hurt a bit. Yeah, that's what you always say. Yeah, chop wood means something different on our program. <laughs> keep in mind. And then they brought out a saw. This won't bother you. Then a drill. Anyway, they said they got it and they, uh, they, they sewed it up and everything. And uh, soldering. I thought it was soldering. I soldering. <laughs> hey, D, how do you pronounce this word? No, it's soldering. No, it's soldering. 
Turns out Dennis is like really equipped with tools and stuff no, like that. He's got a, not really. He's got a tool belt. <laughs> anyway, so they soldered it. Oh, man, oh, this won't hurt. It's like this blowtorch. Anyway, it looked like a movie star. Oh, no. Oh, Pat wow. Rod said, uh, Pat Rod said, ah, yes, uh, when Ben was the invisible man. <laughs> That's what it looked yeah, like. You had right. all those bandages over your face. I know. Visible man joke. I heard so many jokes from that. Uh, visible man jokes. And then there was, uh, well, for the older uh, listeners, were reminding me of Jack Nicholson oh, in yeah. Chinatown. Uh, you know, the younger listeners like, huh? Who? What? So um, anyway, uh, this is all good. It's all good. I'm healthy, but I'm just a little numb. It's, so, you know, if I slur a little bit or if I bite my jaw every now and then and swear, just put up with me. Anyway, uh, this weekend, as promised, I watched on Netflix uh, Aaron Sorkin's uh, latest movie, The uh, Trial of the Chicago 7. Has some relevance to the news of the day. But, uh, so I think I'm going to talk about it for a little while. I, I cannot stop talking about this movie. I'm stopping people in the street pretty much. Have you seen The Chicago 7? People looking at me crazy. It's how I get, you know, I get something in my head. Six feet. Yes, I've seen it. <laughs> Six feet. Stay away. Very entertaining movie. Uh, great dialogue. Uh, but I have big problems with this movie. Okay, even though it was very entertaining and had great dialogue, in my humble opinion. Oh, uh, uh, Daniel Scruggs, who comes on the show all the time to talk movies, so she thought it was boring. So just throwing out there another point of view. Uh, Sergio will be coming on on uh, Friday. We're going to take the deep dive uh, on the movie. But uh, anyway... You know, it's it's that typical Aaron Sorkin, uh, really witty exchanges where everybody's super smart and quick on their feet. And, you know, I'm like, oh, man, how come I never think of stuff like that to say when I'm in the middle of a discussion or a debate? Anyway, I don't want to give too much away, although then I think, well, you know, it's a historical event. You should know about this anyway, but let's just boil it down to this. This happened in 1969. Well, it already actually began in 1968, and I was alive, ladies and gentlemen. I was a junior high kid in Evanston. I was alive for this stuff. They're like making movies about history, and I was alive. I'm so old I am, D. I was alive then. But here's what happened. The Democrats decided to have their convention in Chicago in 1968. Mayor Daley, not the Mayor Daley, who was mayor in the 90s and the O's, millennials, but his father was mayor from 1955 to 1976, um, had his police beat the crap out of the anti-war protesters. I mean, these police were wailing on them. They took their uh, badges off, took out the billy cubs, and go, let's go. Bam. Police riot, they called it. Anyway, to add insult to injury, President Richard Nixon's Justice Department charged eight of the leaders of the protest with conspiracy to riot. So the protesters got their butts whooped by the police, and then they faced prosecution. Not sure this is fair, not sure this is justice, but this is what happened. And they called it the Chicago 8 conspiracy trial because originally there were eight uh, defendants. One defendant, Bobby Seale, uh, was dropped from the prosecution. That's a whole story of its own, which I won't go into now. So it became the Chicago 7 conspiracy trial, hence the name of the movie. The defendants uh, made a mockery of the case as well they should because the prosecutors and the judge had, in my humble opinion, made a mockery of justice by bringing the case against them in the first place. So you could say that everybody was mocking everyone else. 
And eventually, uh, charges were thrown out. What a waste of time. What a waste of energy. Anyway, so uh, it's a very compelling, very dramatic story. Uh, very exciting, very colorful, great characters. And uh, so Aaron Sorkin's like, that's not good enough. It's not good enough just to make a compelling movie about what was going on in 1968 and 1969. No, he's got to make it relevant today. He's got to use this movie to somehow or other win over swing voters in Wisconsin for Joe Biden and against Trump. I mean, that you can just see his brain going around, his brain working. How do I get swing voters in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania to review this historical era in such a way that they wind up voting for Joe Biden? How do I convert this horrific, horrendous story about injustice in America and police over response and brutal mayors and horrific deals cut between right wing Republicans like Richard Nixon and right wing Democrats like Richard J. Daley? How do I fuse it together into a story that can make people feel good in 2020 and make them want to vote for Joe Biden? This is a challenge. So he figures, you know what I'll do? I'll just make stuff up. Why not? Trump does it all the time and he's president. So Sorkin makes up scenes that never happened and he makes up dialogue uh, that never happened and he depicts conversations and exchange that never went down. And it all culminates with this totally fictitious scene in which a prosecutor and the defendants rise and pay homage to all the soldiers who had died, the U.S. soldiers who had died in the Vietnam War. Man, trust me when I tell you that never happened. Ever, ever, ever. But it's a feel-good moment. It's like they're saying, you know, the defendants, for all their anti-war enthusiasm, are good people. And the prosecutors, for all their, like, I don't know, prosecutorial Overkill are good peoples. And let's join hands and sing Kumbaya. Mala, kumbaya. And oh, all gave together. a little R&B spin there. That was good. Dude, you know, it's it's the painkillers doing weird things to me, man. I'm like seeing. No, do you, you, you sing around. songs every day. I don't know what you're oh, talking about. <laughs> Poorly still, reason. by the way. The pills aren't helping that part. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't pills, man. It was this needle. This needle was so long you could drive a car on it anyway. <laughs> so it's like if I made a movie about what I did this weekend and in my movie, I hit a home run to win the World Series. That, that That's like what Aaron Sorkin he just made it up. Now, I know what you're thinking. I could read your minds. I could see into your little brains. You're going, Ben, it's just a movie, man. Lighten up, dude. Come on, man. It's Hollywood, man. Indulge. You ever notice that in reviews where the reviewer just like, he starts off by saying, yes, this whole thing is made up, but come on, man, it's a movie. But you know, it's like, I can't take that anymore. I mean, if you want to just make a up a movie about, <laughs> you know, a prosecutorial overkill and the prosecutor seeing the light and embracing the defendants who see the light, just make it up. Why do you got to use a historical event, turn it around and distort it? You know, what I mean, we, we live in precarious times. Our president is a lying machine. 
He calls real news fake news and fake news real news. We got a sizable chunk of the Republican Party subscribing to the QAnon theory that there's government is controlled by an evil cabal of pedophiles who are going after Trump. Every time I think about the QAnon theory, dude, I always wonder, you think pedophiles would like Trump, what with his Jeffrey Epstein connection and everything? Oh, man. Call me old-fashioned. You're old-fashioned. Call, call me a boomer. You're a boomer. Say, okay, boomer. <laughs> I love it when people go, okay, boomer. <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, I just laugh. Every time I think of boomers, I think of all the our guests of the older persuasion and how they, the Google meat throws them. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is. You got to admit, it's kind of funny, D. Like, how does this work now? Anyway, I'm one of them. I'm a proud boomer. But I, I just, I don't know. I just don't think this is a good time just to be making stuff up, even if it's going to bring over swing voters, Wisconsin. Other than that, good flick, Mr. Sorkin. We got a great show today, everybody. Uh, Jeffrey Tubin will be stopping by to talk about what happened on that Zoom call. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> it's like a, I'm watching Dennis, you know, he's doing this and the other. He goes, hey, wait a minute. That's not, that's making stuff up. And you just said not to do it. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, Jeff we got in a little bit of trouble, you know. I, I don't know if we should talk about it too much, D. Uh, but uh, I got to tell you, so we had a Zoom meet, not a Zoom meeting. We did Google Meet last night. The, the reader uh, staff got to have a uh, Google Meet All right. Meeting. All right. We and were ahead of the curve on that one, bud. We sure were. Oh, my God. You should have heard all these millennials from the reader going, well, I kind of prefer, I like Zoom, but uh, this is Google Meet's pretty good. Anyway. Dare um, I say it, we're trendsetters. <laughs> They're like, we saw this on the Ben Jarofsky show. And we just had to try it. Anyway, somebody, I don't know who, made the Jeffrey, T- the obligatory you know, Google Meet, Zoom Meet, Jeffrey Tuba joke. I think they're being made all over America today. Just every Zoom meeting. <laughs> Jeffrey Tuba joke. All right, got that out of the way. You know, it was such big news, D. I was just like, um, it was like every newspaper in America. It's so funny, the stuff that make newspapers cover. You know, I, I was like, you, I couldn't get the Tribune or the Sun-Times to do enough coverage on Trump and his taxes, but both of them are all over that Tubin story. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, this is breaking news. Anyway, Jeffrey Tubin. Yeah, he'll be back, D. Remember Marv Albert got in trouble? I don't know if you remember. He's too young for yeah, that. Yeah, it counts. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not bad. Marv Albert Rimming, no. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that was my Marv Albert. Tubin, man, come on. You know, make sure the stream's down. Or, you know, make sure you're not recording, buddy. Uh, I've no, done no. laundry during the show. No one knows. Yeah. Back in the old days, when uh, we were in the attic together, before we um, discovered the wonders of Google Meet, every now and then, Dennis would disappear, and I'd turn around. He's doing push-ups. Yeah, oh, I got to stay awake, man. <laughs> no, that, okay, that's not what you meant. You, you got to stay alert. Got to stay alert, yeah. man. Yeah. And you don't want to say, wait, <laughs> it's not a, like a good vibe to be sent it out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're anyway, right. Sorry about show. that. Uh, Jeffrey Tubin will not be here. Okay. 
But uh, we have a great show, nonetheless. <laughs> Jeffrey Tubin, the learned legal ed- scholar. It's, it's going to be interesting when he comes back to work. Uh, anyway, Doris Davenport will be here. She's the host of the Doris Davenport Show on some radio station that I can't remember the call letters. Uh, but WCPT, it's sta- 820. Oh. They fired you. Remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. WC, you later. Uh, I still have a lot of friends at that station, even though they fired me. And one of them is uh, Doris Davenport. And so we're going to be talking all the politics of the day. Uh, she's going to take a Joe Biden victory. Oh, speaking of which, can I read a letter? Yeah. This, okay. All these Joe Biden fans are really giving me grief because, you know, everybody knows I was big for Bernie. and was making fun of Joe Biden. So I wrote this column uh, for the, the reader back in April. And young Tom Scher, who's been a guest on the show, he used to be a TV personality sports. Uh, and uh, he has since gone into communications, public relations, that kind of thing. Uh, but he came on the show to talk about the Bulls. I don't know if you remember that, D, about the, um, the last dance. So he read this column. He's a total Joe Biden. He's a centrist Democrat and proud of it. And he, I wrote this column called Panic Peddlers. I f- completely forgot I, I wrote this column, and it was urging uh, centrist Democrats t- to stop trying to scare voters from voting for Bernie. And Tom Scher was so outraged, uh, he, he took a he, – I guess he was, must have been in a restaurant or something where the reader was. He clipped out the story and then put a little post note on it. Ben, what the heck are you talking about? Bernie Sanders would be a disaster. Remember, Nixon feared Muskie and wanted McGovern, your friend Tom Scher. And then he put it down, and Dave, he forgot all about it. And April went away, and then in came May, and then there was June, and then there was July, and there was August, and there was September, and suddenly in October, he must have been finally cleaning his desk. He found this thing. Now, most people would just, oh, well, you know, that was April. Not Tommy Scher. He put it in an envelope and sent it to me. Rough. I was right. Joe Biden lovers, they love Joe Biden, and they love trashing Bernie. So, yeah, Tom Scher, take a victory lap. Your guy won. My guy lost. And I will be happily voting for Joe Biden. I'm going to go on Election Day, Dean. I think you are you too? Yeah. We're going on Election Day? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go on Election Day. So, folks, if the lines are as long on Election Day uh, as they are today, we may be a little late getting that show started. That's all I'm saying. Dr. D will be voting uh, right down the street from where he lives. I'll be voting right down the street from where I live. And if it's like a four-hour wait, D, you know what I'm saying? It's, we could be starting the show at two. All right, you changed so, my mind. I'm voting the day before. Well, I'm still going to vote. <laughs> what difference does it make? I'm going to vote on Election Day. I like going to the little, there's like a bar we go to. It's fun. I like doing it. So I'm going to vote in the election. I'm all so excited to vote for Joey B and Joe Biden. So Doris, I know she's going to be excited. I'm going to do a little Ice Cube talk. We haven't talked about Ice Cube on the show. Oh. And his flirt, flirtation with Donnie Trump. Uh, see what, uh, and Doris uh, since that time, he almost came into our studio. Remember he was at the Sun-Times when we were doing the show? He was like doing a separate interview? For 10 trivia points, who almost brought him into our studio? Um, Doris. Yes. Good. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Give him the trivia points. Doris would always come in with her uh, cute little dog, uh, Mr. Yeah. Precious. And Ice Cube must love dogs because I guess Doris started talking to him. I know. I really wish she'd come in. We'll be talking about that with Doris. We'll be reminiscing about the, her good friend, Ice Cube. Uh, you know, I'm going to talk about this Kim Fox poll. 
Uh, it's getting a little tight. The Cook County State's Attorney race for uh, out-of-town listeners. Uh, Cook, uh, Kim Fox is the chief prosecutor for the county of Cook. And to the Trumpsters are going after her strong. She, she's too soft on crime. How about that? It's so relevant with Chicago 7. Always get tough on crime. Let's throw those hippie protesters into prison. Let's show them. First we beat them up, and then we throw them in prison. Yeah. O'Brien's like, like, all right, don't watch that movie and then go vote for me, please. All right. Yeah, O'Brien. Anyway, uh, so we'll be talking about Kim Fox. I'm going to be voting for Kim Fox. Yeah, no, come on. Your Jesse Smollett thing, as entertaining as it is, is uh, pales in comparison uh, to what O'Brien, when he was a prosecutor back in the 80s, we talked about that. Uh, so uh, anyway, we're a lot of political talk ahead with uh, Doris Davenport. But before we get there, the young man from Alton, the man that Doris Davenport and Pat O'Brien fondly call Dr. Doobie with the news. Hi, I'm Dennis. <laughs> Shout out to Doogie on the live stream chat. Uh, Doogie says, ah, Ben, doing everything that he can to stay doing this show until he's 100 years old. <laughs> yes, Doogie only, Doogie, only two more years and he's there. <laughs> I'm almost there, man. All yes. Right. I'm t- thank you. Yes, I'm getting rid of those cancers on my face. <laughs> so I continue talking about politics. Love talking about politics. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. We have a new candidate campaign ad to play for all of you today. An angry Republican who wants to lock him up regardless of evidence. It's not Trump. It's who is it? We'll find out shortly. But first, Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. On Monday, the governor held a press briefing and, well, the news was not good. Nearly every region in the state has seen an increase in COVID-related hospitalizations over the last week. Thursday, we set a record high of cases identified in one day. And then we beat that record on Friday. Yes, a second surge of positive COVID-19 test results, which means, Ben, I will be taking a bike ride to our Chicago Sun-Times studio this week to grab a few things I may have left behind during our move to your lovely attic because, dude, we're never going back to that studio. <laughs> Are you actually going to do that? We've You've threatened to do that in the past. Yeah, I, mean, I think I'm going to just to get some things. Like, I think we have a camera there I need to grab and just a few things. Like, Well, that great uh, certificate i got oh i'll grab the city club certificate city for club you i'll grab the harold washington the little statue we have i'll grab oh, that I too love that statue yeah i miss our beloved bubble miss it hey but hey on a plus side i may be doing some advertising for the show this week look for the guy on the bike with the giant ben Jarofsky show banner everybody <laughs> that's proved to be effective in the past yes so unfortunately yes we're seeing a second surge here in illinois now with more toilet paper and i'm sure all of our illinois listeners uh know how this goes by now with more positive test results comes more mitigation rules in governor pritzker's regional five-phase strategy to safely reopen illinois let's begin with phase one you know maybe jb <laughs> Governor Pritzker announced that stricter mitigations to curb the spread of the virus will be implemented Thursday in Region 5 in Southern Illinois. Region 1, which includes Rockford and Galena, is already operating under tighter restrictions. But the governor warned that Regions 7, Kankakee and Will counties, and 8, Kane and DuPage counties, could meet the metrics that would trigger additional mitigations as soon as Tuesday. Ben Jarofsky, question. We've been doing this for quite some time. 
Is J.B. Pritzker's strategy working? Yeah. I mean, think about how bad it would be if he had no strategy. Right. You know, I mean, look, here's the reality. There is no cure for this. And it requires separating ourselves from workspaces and restaurants and event halls and movie theaters and sporting arenas. And it's really frustrating and depressing and wearying. And people are getting impatient and tired. They want to go to their bars. They want to drink. They want to spit on each other. They want to hug. You know what I'm saying, D? And so they don't want to be locked in their house, like locked in my attic. Locked up, can't get no dude. Locked up. You know who that is, D. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, people get frustrated. They get impatient. Remember Dr. Howard Ehrman coming on the show? Yeah. His solution. Lockdown. Just go in your house. Shut your door. Don't come out. <laughs> All right? That was his solution. You know, he he's probably upset that JB hasn't done enough. So, you know, look, do you know I'm very sympathetic to JB on this one? You know I am. When you told me what it was like downstate with the uh, Pritzker suck signs, trying to do the right thing, it's just to be unfair that here in, in Chicago, Mayor Lightfoot's venerated, you know, for telling people to go sit in their houses. And Pritzker's turned into a villain. So, look... D, we're too impatient as a people in this country. You know that better than anyone. So until there's a, some kind of vaccine, or my my uh, wife had the, you know, until they figure out they have this device that you can get at the drugstore that tells you within five minutes mm-hmm. if uh, you have COVID, this is the law. There's going to be surges, and then it goes back like a tide coming in and then going out, going in and going out. And every now and then it'll go out. Everybody will rush to a bar and spit on each other. Then it'll go up. (laughs) So I'm sympathetic to J.B. Pritzker. You know that, D. Pritzker urged residents to keep track of the spread of the virus in their community and to demand that local officials take action before the state steps in, saying, quote, you can likely turn things around in your community if you act quickly and he once again stressed the importance of wearing a mask to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. If you hear nothing else in all these press conferences, if you follow nothing else, if you're skeptical, whatever the reason is, please just wear the mask. Just wear your mask. Honestly, it it takes care of most of the transmission uh, issues that we have. Yeah. And yet uh, I would say 40% of the population despises masks and views it as some kind of like totalitarian threat. So bizarre how this has happened, D. You know, is there this much opposition to seatbelts? I'm asking you. I mean, I I told you this once before, I think, D. I had a friend who just didn't want to put the seatbelt on. So he'd sit in the car and the car would be And I'd be like, uh, hey, Ed, you got to put the seatbelt on. It'll it'll go off in a little while. Yeah, but... (laughs) So, yeah. First of all, it's annoying to have to hear it. But secondly, you're still going to be without a seatbelt. You got to wear a seatbelt. Do you, is it is it uh, sentiment against seatbelts strong? D. 
down in Alton area? Like, no, nah, not really. You'll you'll have yeah. a few, uh, you know, rebels, rebel rousers, but for the most part, no, everybody's you know. Yeah, doing so their thing. it's like if if you wear a seatbelt, what's with the mat? I don't get it. It's like, and I think I that mean, beeping noise really does help. <laughs> put their uh, seatbelt on. You know what I mean? That damn thing. Shut up. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I know. Dad <laughs> was like, "No, it'll go off after a little while." No, that's not the point, Ed. The point is you're supposed to put the seatbelt on. No, no, it'll go off in a little while. Anyway, some people just don't like seatbelts. And then there's an accident, and they go through the windshield. If they survive, they go, well, next time I'm going to wear my seatbelt. Duh. I don't know. So um, 40% of the country doesn't believe in that. I remember a few weeks back we were talking. Like, you know, they they were loosening the restrictions, and, you know, it was starting to get cold, and we, I don't know, we kind of saw this coming, right? Yes, we did. But I don't know. I, listen, I, I, I'm very sympathetic. There, I read, I spent the better part of a half an hour reading the various articles in the Tribune and the Sun-Times today about schools grappling with this. And um, it's really interesting how, going on a tangent within a tangent, how the, uh, <laughs> the, the editorial voices of Chicago uh, used the school shutdown situation as a, just a club to pound the Chicago Teachers Union. You ever notice that, D? It's sort of like, ah, they cannot discuss schools without pounding the Chicago Teachers Union. You know, and I'm the opposite. I'm always defending the Chicago. I find myself defending, just like with Eddie Johnson. Remember, I find myself defending Eddie Johnson all the time. You know, it's like people, they get this public scapegoating that goes on in Chicago. You got to have somebody scapegoat whether it's Eddie Johnson or the, with the editorial boards hate the Chicago teachers union. It just really grinds their gears that the teachers have organized into a force and they make demands. And so they're always like, like they were urging mayor Lightfoot, whatever you do with the schools, don't listen to the Chicago teachers union, just ignore them. Well, they're like the union that represents the people that work. Just tell those teachers to shut up and go to school. I always tell the teachers, shut up and do this. Meanwhile, there's all these articles coming out, like this suburban district, they were moving forward, but now they have to move back. They have to close. Yeah, it's really frustrating. I mean, good God. I don't, my kids are grown, so we don't have to deal with this, but I understand the frustration that parents are feeling and kids are feeling. It's really tough and it's difficult while we're in the middle of this pandemic. But boy, do not uh, do not ignore any excuse you have to bash the teacher shoot. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot on Monday issued a dire warning, saying that the second surge of COVID-19 is here. The outbreak in the city is widespread across all ages and racial groups. Now is the time for each of us to step up, said the mayor. Yeah, she said that. Meanwhile, uh, get back to school. Dennis had this thing he called mixed messages, which I blatantly stole from him. Thanks. I, at least I give you credit, you know, uh, but it was Dennis's idea. And it was so true. And every and so since he put that in my head, like the mixed messages we send out as a society about the pandemic, I, I, I see them all all the time. So one of them is the one I Mayor Lori Lightfoot stepping up. You know, we have to be very careful. We have to be cautious. Uh, so she's worried about like people coming in your houses. Don't let just just don't open your door to absolutely anybody. Make sure if they do come in, make sure they're wearing a mask. 
you know, we have to uh, exercise caution. Meanwhile, somehow or another, it's okay to open the schools. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They got the doctor. Come, oh, yeah, it's, I study all the, the medical research. It's, it's bad to bring people in your house, but it's okay to bring kids and teachers and principals and janitors and social workers into the school. Got that, D? One thing is really dangerous, but the other thing, it's magic. See, the COVID virus, once it enters a school building, goes, oh, I won't infect anybody, and it leaves. That's what the research has shown. But the COVID virus, when it comes into your house, uh-oh, I'm going straight to Dennis. <laughs> nice mixed messages that we send out all the time. You know what I'm saying, D? Man, we got to come up with a vaccine for this thing because, I don't know, two years of without school is, even I, who was not a great scholar and did not enjoy going to school, that would be very detrimental, put it mildly. And I think we're all willing to step up, but please, Mayor, just don't threaten to arrest anyone this time around. We will shut you down. We will cite you. And if we need to, we will arrest you and we will take you to jail. Okay. Wow. All right. Now <laughs> back to Governor that. Pritzker, because someone recently got a special shout out at a Trump rally. Tell you what, <laughs> Illinois could use a new governor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, D. You go. Oh my God! Just <laughs> what a character. You put it best. I think we'll let the dog try. Tell you what, this Illinois could use a new governor. Oh God! What a lunatic! Unbelievable. During a he's sa- our president, ladies and gentlemen, he's our president. Go ahead. During dude. a Saturday night rally in Wisconsin, Trump trolled Pritzker by criticizing his five-phase strategy and Illinois' COVID-19 restrictions. That guy doesn't know what's happening. They got to open up that state. They got to open up that state. You watch what happens. On November 4th, they'll all say, all right, now everybody, they're only doing this for politics. I really believe that. <laughs> I mean, see what I'm saying? It's all about you, Donnie. Yeah, we just shut down the state. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to shut down the estate. We're going to shut down the economy. Uh, people will lose their jobs and the economy will tank and people will vote out Donald Trump. The day, the day it's over, we're going to open it up again. It's just a fake. Like, that's his mind. And Mag is cheering it on. And, uh, you know, he really believes that. He's believed it from the start. And, he, and you talk about a giant mixed message coming from Donald Trump. He's out, got a commercial out there. I don't know if you saw this, where it's, it's all about how he wears masks. He's got this. Like, what is he thinking? You know what I mean? Let's say you're just a swing voter in suburban Wisconsin. And on one hand, you see this commercial on TV where Trump's go, he wears a mask. Donald Trump cares about the people. Wear a mask. And then there's this rally. It's all fake on November 4th. It's going to be over. You watch. Open up the state. Which is it? I'm confused. I'm a swing voter in Wisconsin. I'm barely paying attention anyway. JB should be uh, proud that uh, Donnie Trump's picking on him. You know what I'm saying, D? Sure. He, he should be proud about that. Okay. Yeah. Really? That's good. Yeah. Wouldn't you want? Would, how about if Donnie Trump blasts our show? Huh? Wouldn't that be great? 
There's this show. I can't stand <laughs> Terrible show. Aside from the Romano rundown, horrible show. <laughs> no, who would he like on the show? Uh, I don't think he would like the Romano rundown. <laughs> I like the Sergio movie reviews. <laughs> Nick Spazzato, good man. <laughs> yeah, Nick Spazzato. Nick would be the only guy he likes. So that was on Saturday. Tell you what, oh Illinois could use a new governor. <laughs> but after that, our Illinois governor received a call from CNN and was invited to their Sunday program, State of the Union, to respond Wait. to the president. Is that the one hosted by Jeffrey Tubin? No, it's one by Jake Tapper. Oh, just okay. Oh, JT? JT, another JT. Whoa. Jake Tapper. Whoa. Whoa. Just ask him. Go ahead, D. Uh, yeah, he responded to the president. I have the audio. Like to hear it. Here it go. Shout out to CNN. Won't well, it be great if he didn't send us a copyright strike? <laughs> Here's the audio. Uh, what's your response? Well, uh, frankly, the president has made it nearly impossible for states to open up any more than they are now. Uh, we have, you know, the, this pandemic has been around now for seven to eight months. And without much help from the federal government, we've been fighting it off. Illinois has uh, one of the lowest positivity rates among the Midwest. But we're bordered by Wisconsin, where he was speaking, uh, which has a 27 percent positivity rate. Ours is about a fourth of that. Uh, we're we're bordered by Iowa. We're bordered by Indiana. Uh, all three of those are in the top seven or eight states for positivity rates. So it is dangerous right now. We want people to wear masks. We want people to socially distance. Uh, we need to make sure that we have certain mitigations in place. And of course, we've already opened up much of our economy, but we have to maintain certain capacity limits and make sure that our people are safe and healthy. Yeah, he knows how he threw Wisconsin under the bus. Well, as bad as Wisconsin, you know, <laughs> which is funny because, and he does it in kind of a cheerful way. This is the thing about Pritzker. It's kind of like, it wasn't like he was hostile in Wisconsin. He's just pointing out, you know, his critics, on the other hand, every time someone moves from Illinois to Wisconsin, the Tribune writes an editorial, another, another moving van going to Wisconsin or Indiana. Remember when everybody was like going to move to Gary, all the rich people, if you pass this fair tax, we're moving to Indiana. So, yeah, Pritzker just very subtly, you know, if you look at Indiana, Jake, just saying, look at Indiana. Look at Wisconsin, Jake. I like when they call him Jake. You know what I'm saying, D? It's like Charles Barkley calls Ernie Johnson. Ernie. Oh, Ernie. Oh, come on, <laughs> Ernie. Call, <laughs> love when he calls him Ernie. Ernie. But, yeah. but wait, there's more. A couple things that oh. President Trump and his administration have done well. They have been able uh, to help with ventilators. Uh, Operation Warp Speed to find a vaccine has been going well. There is this hunt that's been going well with therapeutics. So it's not that everything has been going wrong. But obviously, there are issues you have with the Trump administration and specifically <laughs> President Trump. What is he doing to, that makes it more difficult for you to do your job, given that I just told you, I just told the viewers some things that he's doing to make it easier. Well, you just saw one of them, which is he's modeling bad behavior. 
he doesn't wear a mask in public. He has rallies where they don't encourage people to wear masks in public. Truly, uh, this is now, uh, you know, rhetoric that people understand, and particularly in rural areas in my state, that, well, the president doesn't wear a mask. We don't need to wear a mask. It's not that dangerous. The truth of the matter is that it is very dangerous. And even if there are therapeutics that are coming online that are helping people, our hospitalizations are going up. People are having long hauler syndrome. You know, Jake, can I just say something about Jake Tapper? I hadn't heard this bit till you play it. A pre-show planning in the Ben Jarofsky show. <laughs> Negligent. <laughs> Could have kept that one to yourself, but okay. Wait, Tapper, what do you think? Like, I want to give him credit. He's done this, that. He's been terrible with the pandemic. Like, why? Are, who are you playing to? I'm going to be fair. It's like, you're not, it's like, he's... It turns out we don't need the ventilators that much. From the beginning, everybody was worried about ventilators. We're going to need all these ventilators. There were no ventilators. Remember that? Now it's just like the way this pandemic is going, we don't need the ventilators. So it's not like he did something great with ventilators. It's like bending over backwards. The mainstream media. I know I can't even get the words out, D. I just like my head is exploding. This compulsion. You know, he's CNN is mocked and maligned constantly by Donald Trump. And I'd like to prove him wrong. Well, we're fair. You know, well, he's done great jobs with the ventilators. What else? Like rapid. We have this rapid vaccine. He even has like the catchphrase. You know, he throws it at Pritzker. I'm just being fair. I don't I don't know how anybody could say Donald Trump has done anything remotely well with the pandemic. I would say it's a huge flaw. I, I like finding, searching for things that Donald Trump has done well about the pandemic while he makes fun of you for wearing a mask. It's like, it's, it's so surreal. It's not, you're not being fair. You're kind of distorting things. I mean, if I were to give Donald Trump credit for anything, He's the master of Twitter. He's a maestro. I'll give him credit for that. He's better at Twitter than any politician I've ever seen. He has built a cult following. I'll give him give him credit for stuff he's done. You know, he successfully turned the investigation into his wrongdoing into victimhood that's won over the masses. I give him credit for stuff, Tapper. But the pandemic, it's like searching. I want to be fair. I want people to think I'm fair, even as he calls me all these names. Yeah, and all of a sudden, you're CNN. You guys, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, you're Dude, people watch you because they want to see Rip Trump. I'm fair. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, it's not that Aaron Sorkin thing. I know what I'll do. I'll take a real live event when in which the Justice Department would punch a royal borderline fascists and turn it into kumbaya. So we can all realize we're all in this together and we can all vote for Joe Biden. I don't know. Day. I need something. I need a more shot of that Novocaine or whatever it was that that doctor was giving him this morning. I didn't know you were going to be playing the CNN's. 
Oh, it's, oh, Donald Trump is now suddenly going to say, you know, I really appreciate Jake Tapper bending over backwards in his interview with J.B. Pritzker to say something nice about me. But wait, there's Sorry. more. Illinois oh. appears headed in the wrong direction. Why? What's going wrong in your state? Well, I don't think it's so much that things are going wrong specifically in our state. I mean, we are having a national wave of coronavirus. Right. But I will say to you that we also are the third highest testing state in the country. So when you see the case numbers, it is because we're testing much more. Still, our uh, positivity rate, which is going up, uh, is far below most other states. OK, but why? Uh, and we're proud you're, of that. You agree fact, that but, you're going yeah. in the wrong. You agree you're going in the wrong direction. And why is that? I do. And that's because people are not following the mitigations because the modeling is so bad at the leadership level, at the federal level. Um, we are trying to get the word out. We're trying to continue to convince people to do the right thing. But it is the president's allies in our state, all across the state, who are simply saying to people, don't pay any attention to the mitigations. Don't follow the rules. Mm -hmm. uh, indeed, there are bars and restaurants which are restricted. Can't argue with anything he said. And neither can Tapper, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so, gee, you know, JB is pretty quick on his feet there. Just, you notice how he did? He immediately went and counterpunched with the Republicans. It's the Republicans, Jake. And Tapper's like, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. So, yeah, pretty good stuff, D. Love it. JB on his feet. Tapper, Tapper tapping out a beat. Why I said that. And Pritzker then played some ball and talked a little national politics with Jake Tapper. Governor Pritzker and Speaker Pelosi just said on another network that they have effectively, they have to reach a deal in the next 48 hours if they want to pass some sort of stimulus, some sort of relief bill before the election, but that she, the White House and Senate Republicans are still far apart on an acceptable price tag. Is it fair to say that anything, including uh, Majority Leader McConnell's bill, in your view, would be better than nothing? Would $500 billion be better than nothing? Well, certainly that's true. But but let's also realize that Speaker Pelosi is negotiating on two fronts. One is with the White House's representative, and that's Mnuchin. And the other is with uh, McConnell in the Senate. And the reality is they need to get together on whatever they're, they're going to agree upon and then come to the table with Speaker Pelosi. But yes, it is true that people, average working people out here need help. And that was pretty much Governor Pritzker's Sunday appearance on CNN. Yeah. Is 500 better than nothing? Yes. Yes, it is better than nothing. But it's not enough. And uh, I'm with I'm with Pritzker, his analysis. Pritzker did a good job. I, I'm with Pritzker on his analysis. I mean, what is the point of the Republicans? What's their purpose? What are they significant? What are they offering? They're like still dedicated to the notion that if you give aid to ordinary people, that's going to be a deterrent uh, from people working. Somehow or other, when you uh, give aid to ordinary people, don't have a lot of clout, that undercuts uh, their enthusiasm, their desire to work. But if you give handouts to rich people, that encourages them to subsidize, to, to develop. This, this notion is all twisted. And so it, like, it plays on people's brains. It gets in their heads and they start to believe it. And so they applaud when we give money to rich people and they boo when they give money to poor people. And that's the game the Republicans are playing right now because a sizable chunk of their 
voting base doesn't want to give more aid. And a sizable chunk of their voting base believes that somehow it's a deterrent. So what's Nancy Pelosi supposed to do? I don't know. If she signs on to the Republican deal, lefties like me will be saying she sold us out. But I guess 500 is better than zero, right, Dave? 500 is better than zero. So if you can cut a deal, do you believe them? It's like Pritzker said, the White House isn't on the same page as McConnell. So who are you, who are you negotiating with? I thought, you know what? I thought Jimmy Dore was going to get uh, Donald Trump D to uh, force the Republicans to up the ante. Remember what that direct appeal he made on the, the Tuxter show? Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently Donald Trump forgot all about that. And, and so here we are. The phony negotiations if I ever saw. Okay, I just uh, emailed uh, Daniel Biss. I'm waiting for a response. Oh, I got it. Yes, 500 is greater than zero. Thanks, Daniel. I appreciate that. Uh, he took 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 valuable time away from his campaigning for mayor of Evanston to respond. Today, Governor Pritzker is delivering his COVID-19 update. And with the recent spike, those updates are now back to being daily updates. Face coverings. All right, moving on. An angry Republican who wants to lock him up regardless of evidence. It's not Trump. It's It's Republican Cook County State's Attorney Candidate Pat O'Brien. And it's time for a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. The magic number is now 14. 14 days, two weeks until Election Day. And now comes our contribution here on the Ben Jarofsky Show to the local elections in Illinois, where we analyze local candidate campaign ads. And it doesn't take a Chicago political know-it-all to know this. Cook County State's Attorney, this race between incumbent Democrat Kim Fox and her Republican challenger, Pat, I hate Empire (laughs) O'Brien, has gotten pretty ugly pretty fast. You saw this during her state's attorney primary against Bill the Bro Conway. Attack ads trashing Kim Fox after the controversy surrounding the Jesse Smollett fake hate crime. I guess her challengers feel like she's an easy target. But unfortunately for these two fellers, aside from that one case, which is something that will happen, I don't know, once every 20 years, state's attorney Kim Fox is really good at handling the cases that happen in Chicago every 20 minutes. But yet, the ads continue. Just a quick (laughs) recap. Here is the last ad from Pat O'Brien. Since coming to office, crime lover Kim Fox has declined to prosecute a record 25,000 felony offenders charged with murder, rape, drug dealing, and gun possession. Suspects the police investigated and arrested. And Kim Fox said, let him go. That means Chicago has over 25,000 suspected felons on our streets. And they're feeling like they can get away with anything. Save Chicago. Fire Kim Fox. Vote Pat O'Brien, Cook County State's Attorney. Um, every time I hear that one, D, get a little more nauseated. Uh, it it just brings back memories. We've been talking about all day. 1969, 1968. How Nixon uh, played on the fear that people had about crime and the hatreds they had toward black people. Southern strategy got Richard Nixon, the White House. Richard J. Daley was uh, playing into it as well. Mayor of the city of Chicago back then. 
I just it just brings back memories. We're just never gonna break away from this, huh? Save Chicago, fire Kim Fox, crime lover. He calls her a crime lover. Like, how is that? How is that a contribution to anything? Crime lover, Kim. Yeah, every day she wakes up. I love crime. We need my power as state's attorney to have more crime. Stupid stuff, Pat O'Brien. And yet, D, he's closing the gap. Yeah, he's closing it's the working. gap. Yeah, if you could, uh, you know, give us a little more information on that here. It looks like you were taking a look at that, right? Yeah, it was in the Sun Times today. I think it was Rachel Hinton wrote about it. A uh, poll that rep- now uh, it was a Republican poll, asterisk on it, Republican poll. So who knows that, who they were surveying? Uh, but uh, it, it says it's closing the gap. I remember back in um, in the, the the primary when Bill Conway was running, and I think there was this moment where there was like they, they put out this notion: oh, Kim Fox could be in trouble. Kim Fox could be in trouble. Kim Fox has been bashedy nonstop. Think about it. Think about this. When did Smollett Gate break? I always forget. I get it. January 2019. You were fired in December 2018, and then Smollett Gate happened. There was a little window where we didn't have a show, and that's when it happened. All right, hold on, Radio Fire 2018. <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably have the same conversation next week. Fire 2018, Smollett Gate, January, uh, hired February. Got it. Yeah. Thank you, D. You always help me. I know you're, you're going to help me that. When I'm 100. Two D, years. Two years. In two years, we'll still be helping. Here you go, Grandpa Ben. Thanks, D. <laughs> oh, you don't have teeth. <laughs> What happened to your teeth? God damn it. Hey. Watch your mouth. (laughs) Anyway, we've been bashing her since 29th January. So that, hold on, D, let me do that. Give me Biss. Give me Biss in line for for help with this math. That's almost two years. Two years. They've been bashing her, pounding her with Smollett Gate. What did she know? When did she know it? Remember when she came to the Tribune editor, bro? They were like yelling questions, barking out. She had gas. Oh, suddenly he's a bulldog. When it comes to Trump, he's a lapdog. But when it comes to Smollett Gate, oh, it's the most important issue we ever faced in the city of Chicago. <laughs> Smollett Gate. She took a phone call. That's terrible. Half the people in Chicago got their jobs because someone took a phone call on their behalf. But when Kim Fox took a phone call from Jesse Smollett's, who knows? This is terrible. This is outrageous. Let's have a special investigation. Let's pay Dan Webb even more money to launch an investigation. Everybody's outraged. Outraged, I tell you, that Jesse Smollett had somebody call Kim Fox. You know, even my friends, the liberal reporters, they always tell me, well, Ben, you have to understand what she did was really inappropriate. Yeah, I get it. But two years later, we're still talking about Smollett Gate. Come on, Chicago. But they started bashing her then. Bill LeBro Conway said, hey, maybe I can win. And had daddy kick in. How much? 10 million was it, D? A lot. Born in the money. <laughs> Lots of money. You know, and the columnists are bashing her and editorial writers bashing her and uh so she survived bill conway that would have been march of 2020 god i'm losing track of time right before the pandemic hit full time and ever since then it's been pat o'brien and the republicans 
bashing her. So it's a miracle that anybody's still supporting her. Well, Meanwhile, everybody lo- loves Lori Lightfoot. You ever notice that? They all love Lori Lightfoot. The same people that bash Kim Fox love Lori. What is going on? It's so bizarre. It's like they pick certain people that they, well, they always suck up to the mayor, D, because the mayor controls the purse. This is what you're going to learn. 101 in Chicago politics. Don't criticize the mayor because the mayor can turn out over contracts. So Republicans love the mayor. They always love the mayor. Uh, well, they didn't love Harold Washington, but okay. But they love Daly. They love Rom. They love Lori Lightfoot. Then they have this like, they can't stand Kim Fox. That just makes me want to vote for her even more, D. <laughs> Well, the gloves are, are definitely off at the Kim Fox campaign. Here's the latest ad from Kim Fox. An angry Republican who wants to lock him up regardless of evidence. It's not Trump. It's Pat O'Brien. O'Brien oversaw nearly 30 wrongful convictions as a prosecutor, including personally putting away four innocent black teenagers who together spent 47 years behind bars, helping make Chicago the false confession capital. His angry rhetoric, pure Trump. His record as a prosecutor, even worse. Pat O'Brien's wrong for state's attorney. I hate empire. (laughs) Listen, about time, Kim Fox. About time. Put Trump's mug on Pat O'Brien's neck right now. All right? When are Democrats going to learn what Republicans do? Republicans demonize Michael Madigan. They got Democrats so scared of Michael Madigan, they won't even use him in the fair tax thing. Can we just keep Michael Madigan in that closet? Just lock him away. Don't get him anywhere near the fair tax thing. The most powerful Democrat in the state of Illinois. No, 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 no. Don't want him anywhere near the fair tax thing. But Democrats are like, well, we play fair. We're so nice. Meanwhile, they hate Trump in Cook County. So, yes, call him Pat O'Brien Trump. There you go, Kim Fox. About time is what I say. And that was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Update, 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 update. All right, Doris Davenport's coming up here, but we want to remind everyone that you can reach out to us on social media at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, Show at gmail.com. Uh, Leave your name and where you're from if you'd like us to read your message on the program. It's very helpful. And you can call the Ben Jarofsky Show. It's true. Ben, we got a call yesterday, but they didn't leave a voicemail. So I don't don't know. Don't know what that is. He was a bill collector. Yeah, I was going to say, man, did they find find that number too? Oh, geez. (laughs) You're in a lot of trouble, man. Uh, But no, uh, leave us a voicemail, 708-658-4788. The number again, 708-658-4788. We would love to hear from you. Uh, Ben, anything you'd like to say before we go to break here? Uh, Yes, I'm about to go take some painkillers. Oh. Because this this thing is starting to act up. Okay. I'm going to take some paint colors. Right. And when I come back, I'll be like, whoa. Oh, look <laughs> forward to that, <laughs> listeners. Yes, feeling good. All right, it's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from my apartment in his attic. Michael Girardi, take it away, sir.
this election, Chicago voters are casting a ballot on much more than the president of the United States. Some of the races we will be voting on include the Cook County State's Attorney, over 60 judges, our Water Reclamation District Commissioners, and changes to our taxes. With all these races, candidates, and issues, casting an informed ballot can seem like a challenge. But Chicago Votes, a nonpartisan organization, is here to provide you with information on the candidates and issues on the ballot. Their 2020 voter guide is available digitally at chicagovotes.com and chicagoreader.com. Pull it up on your laptop, take it with you into the voting booth on your phone, and feel confident in knowing who and what you are voting for. chicagovotes.com. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Doris Davenport is with me, and I see uh, we're doing this on Google Meet, so I can see her. She can't see me because I don't have a camera in uh, my computer, but she got Mr. Precious there. <laughs> Doris, why are you wearing a mask? You don't have to wear a mask. No, I had to wear a mask starting out because these people are crazy out here. It's yeah. like nobody has seen the numbers. All these people walking around with no masks on, having rallies everywhere, out there in the plate. They're giving, they're giving away coronavirus. Folks, put your mask on. Okay. You don't have to wear it indoors. <laughs> That's true. But put your mask on. I see you were just being a good citizen, and I appreciate that. Doris Davenport yes. is the host of the Doris Davenport Show, which is on radio station W... I can't say it. Wait, I'm not really trying. W something something. W see you later, man. Anyway, I got a lot of good friends that still work at that station, and yeah. uh, Doris is one of them. Uh, and so you can check out Doris's show on W. Whatever it's called. Anyway, um, we love you, Danny J. Yeah, still doing my thing, Doris. <laughs> Got a lot to talk about uh, with Doris Davenport, and uh, we're going to talk about Joe Biden. We're going to talk about black political power. We're going to talk about, I got to talk Ice Cube with Doris Davenport because she say, came so close <laughs> to introducing me uh, to Ice Cube. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't mention this to you when we were doing our pre-show discussion, but this mm -hmm. broke today. Kim Fox and Pat O'Brien, we'll talk about that. Uh, Kim Fox running for Cook County State's attorney i already just vented on that race pat o'brien should be ashamed of himself but we'll start with joe biden the victory tour uh okay he hasn't won it's still it's still very up in the air everybody keep voting but early on uh doris davenport ca cautioned me i'm a bernie guy she goes joe biden will win you predicted it uh he will win he's the most electable and that's where the democrats are heading ben you're you're just Barking up the wrong tree. I was thinking of Mr. Precious when I uh, say that. Uh, so what do you think of the Joe Biden campaign so far, uh, Doris? Well, you know, I think that Joe Biden is doing what Joe Biden does, and that is to unify the country, 
He is, um, he's a man who, when people, you know, you get that political term evolving or when someone has evolved from one position or another, it seems to be a dirty word. But Joe Biden is a man who really has evolved, in my opinion, from the days of tough on crime. Remember this, when people talk about Joe Biden and the votes that he was responsible for passing, being tough on crime, he had the majority support of the black legislature. So this idea that Biden is some person who doesn't favor black men or has not done so much for the black community, he did what he was asked to do by the black leaders. And how's he doing today? I think he's doing, I think he's doing great. And don't let numbers and rallies fool you, because if you look at Trump's rallies, they take that camera and they don't let you go past this area or past that area. They put it in so tight to make it seem like there's so many people there. We don't have to be at no stinking rallies. All we got to do is go vote. Well, well, by the way, you, it's, you were heading almost in the Trump uh, territory when you went on that riff, uh, Doris, because that was uh, one time I was watching a Trump rally. Was, mm-hmm. I forget which rally it was, but he went on this whole riff about how the cameras don't show the f- packed seats. You know what I'm saying? And he was mm-hmm. like, he was going the other direction. It was like <laughs> the cameras don't show the packed seats; they only right. show the empty seats. Uh, yeah, yeah, he has yeah. a. But when you say I mean, Joe, go ahead. I'm sorry, cut you off. Go ahead. Well, no, no, no. I just think that it's isn't that just like Trump? He only cares about the visual, no substance doesn't even matter what's being said. He just wants you to see boatloads of people. He is so desperate now that he has resorted to literally cussing people out. Mm. I mean, he did you hear what he called CNN? Uh, no, what did he call CNN? You could say <laughs> well, it, it's a podcast. Oh, he said, the bastards. He just said that yesterday yeah. or the day before yesterday. He's so desperate right now, Ben. Uh, uh, you mentioned, by the way, it's just when you said that, I had a smile because earlier in the show where I was doing a riff about Jake Tapper bending over backwards in his interview with uh, J.B. Pritzker to say nice things about Donald Trump. It's just so funny. The mainstream media, just, just Donald, they play one game, Donald Trump plays another game. And uh, I'm just wondering uh, if if that's a losing game for the mainstream media. But uh, anyway, that's a whole other discussion. Let me go back to what you said. Uh, Joe Biden has evolved. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, he's evolved in that whole um, idea that uh, black men are responsible for crime. Uh, you remember the days of um, the crime bill that he was one of the sponsors of. Um, and at that time, uh, people were looking at the black community uh, when crack came, crack cocaine came into the black community in uh, record numbers, you saw so many communities destroyed by drugs. And he was one of those people that did what he was asked to do, and he believed in it. He believed that there was a problem, that there was a major criminal element in the black community that was monolithic in a way. And he's evolved just like black people have evolved in that sense. I mean, do you remember back in, I think it was, you know, Pennsylvania has been in the news a lot lately because 
so many black people in Pennsylvania are voting for Joe Biden. There was a time uh, in Philadelphia where there was a community of uh, black uh, black militants, as they were called, and the mayor ended up really almost bombing this whole area. So many people died. But if you look at the history of how that decision was made, it was made at the at the violent um, request of other black community members. Um, some of these things don't just happen in a vacuum. Now, if you ask me about, I'm jumping here, if you ask me about police brutality, there's no black community pushing police to shoot black people. But certainly with the crime bill way back then, there were a lot of people, black and white, who believed that there was a lot of criminal element in the black community and that the way to deal with it was to lock people up and lock them up for a very long time. He's evolved from that. He doesn't believe that. He understands uh, restorative justice. He talks about it in some of his debates when young people stand up and ask him about it. Um, he talks about not only restorative justice practices, but he understands uh, the lack that has been growing in black communities as a direct result of even some of the legislation that he championed. Mm -hmm. So he has evolved. I think his tenure with Barack Obama is directly responsible for that involvement. You don't get to be wingman to Barack Obama, the gentleman of the century, and not learn a few things. And uh, uh, First Lady Michelle as well. Uh, Doris, yeah, when you were alluded to what went down in Philadelphia, uh, I'm maybe the only person who remembers this. Wilson Good was the mayor of Philadelphia, and it was That's in the right. mid-80s. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, yes, uh, I forget how many people died uh, in uh, the in the building, the fire that resulted uh, mm -hmm. when the police moved in uh, at the direction of Wilson Good. So yeah, I remember that uh, from way back when in the 1980s. I may be the only person who remembers that. Um, all right, you mentioned Michelle, you mentioned Barack Obama, Obama, and of course, their uh, philosophy has been when uh, the other side goes low, we go high. We go high. And uh, I've uh, really had troubles with that. Uh, I've made fun of that. I don't see where that works. I don't know. Is it possible that they're right and I'm wrong, Doris Davenport? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, come on. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> saying that. Anything else? No. <laughs> so you know the, the the philosophy of going uh, constantly going high when the other side going uh, goes low. I have trouble with that. Let me let me rephrase it. I have trouble with that suggestion. I, we'll get to Kim Fox, mm -hmm. but going high all the time when they're bashing the hell out of you, making stuff up about you, and distorting the record and suppressing the vote uh, in Wisconsin and Philadelphia, wherever they can. I don't see where that's a winning proper. Oh, well, you know, yeah, they're doing that, but I'm going to go high and say nice things about them. Sorry, Doris. I don't see that as a winning strategy. What's your thoughts? Well, look, you know, we have to go high. We don't, they're going down in the gutter with these people gets us absolutely nowhere. That's not our fight. That's not our strength. That is their strength, but it's also what distinguishes us from them. This thing about going high, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not going to always, um, it's not that, it doesn't mean that you're not going to sometimes slip and get a dig in an uppercut or, you know, look at Joe during that last debate. Joe is one. Would you admit that Joe is one who usually goes high? 
Yeah, that's his whole thing. His, but what, yes, about when, what about when Trump got on his last nerve and Joe said, shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for Joe, that's going low, right? <laughs> I, I, I loved it when he said, shut up, man. We've been having fun with that. Uh, would you shut up, man? I think is what he said. Would you shut That's up, right. man? Shut uh, up, man. I, shut up, man. Yeah. Come on, man. He sounds like me. But uh, no, I listen, I, uh, I've i had issues with the, the strategy ever since mm-hmm. uh, Michelle Obama said it. And I think when she said that in 2016, the Democrats thought they had the election in the bag or some Democratic strategists thought it was in the bag. So they figured they could just pretend as though these animosities, animosities didn't exist. And I feel what's happened uh, in so many ways, Doris, and you were getting at this earlier, is that because the Republicans have been playing negative for so long, and we really, the split in the country is so enormous. I don't know how even Joe, I get along with everyone, Biden, can bridge that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you have uh, a huge growing segment of the Republican Party dedicated to the QAnon cult, this notion that there's a secret society of evil pedophiles in the government, they just, I mean, you might as well believe that there's spacecrafts that come down in the middle of the night and kidnap us and then return us in the morning. I mean, I don't know how you can find a common ground where the Republican Party is taken over by extremists of that nature. I'm really struggling with this notion of playing by the old bipartisan rules in this time. What do you think? Well, here's what I think. This notion of going high and going low, I think that, and you and I have actually had this conversation before a couple of years ago. Um, I do believe that publicly, the Democrats have to go high. When they get behind closed doors and it's time to strategize, it's all gloves off. Mm -hmm. It's do whatever you have to do. Because frankly, what we have learned is that all these years when we thought racism is taking a back seat, we're finally almost rid of this. What did we find? They were just hiding out. Mm -hmm. They were wearing invisible masks. But now what Trump has done is he's done a favor for us because everybody pretty much who is even thinking about being a racist, they've outed themselves. They're emboldened to no degree. So we know we see you. We know who you are. We know who your organizations are. We know who your funders are. We know what businesses now support Trump. And so now the Democrats have a lot more information than they had before. Before, they just thought they knew. Now they know. And we, when they ask Biden that question about packing the courts, he can't say, I say pack it. (laughs) (laughs) I I pack it. Yeah. By the way, this is just tangent with a tangent. I, I've said this in the show so many times, Doris, most people don't even know what packing the court means. Mm-hmm. So, he, he, you know, the, the Republicans are really straining to make this an issue. And most people don't know what it means. So, yeah, you could just go, yeah, I believe in packing the court, you know, and I think I trouble with CC and most people will be like, I don't know what he's talking about. And I, you know, so, uh, yeah, I have no problem saying packing the court. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Republicans have packed the court. What they're doing right now, 
uh, with uh, Amy Coney Barrett is packing yeah. the court. That's right. So, That's right. And yeah. I'm not even against expanding the Supreme Court, frankly. It's a constitutional right. Um, and I'm at a place where if Barrett gets um, elected and that first vote that comes up on the Affordable Care Act, if she votes the wrong way, it's time for expansion. Well, I could tell you this right now. There was a, 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 I don't even call it a decision. It was a sort of a non-decision by the Supreme Court. I read about it last night. I haven't talked about it on the show yet, uh, but it had to do with a uh, voting rights issue in the state of Pennsylvania. And mm. when do ballots get counted? Uh, can they be counted up to three days after election day if they roll in through the mail? And the Democrats the are pressing law. to do that. Uh, and the Republicans had challenged it and it made its way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court took no stance because they were deadlocked four to four and that four you got the the soldiers of the right who are basically donald trump's foot soldiers uh, uh they will do whatever donnie says basically uh and then you have the three liberals who are essentially democrats they are Dem- i think they all are democratic appointment appointees and then john roberts went with the liberals to deny the republicans the fifth vote they needed uh when you put amy coney barrett in there now that it's over. So the Republicans okay. control it. Yeah, and because we no longer have the strength of John Roberts being a swing voter. That's correct. And so this is exactly what Donald Trump uh, And he wanted. didn't go in being a swing voter. We have to remember that. He's almost forced to because he believes so much in the not apolitical aspect of the Supreme Court. Well, I also believe, I'll put this out there, uh, that John Roberts' uh, views, I think judges are political animals. They pretend they're not, they're not, but I do believe they are political animals. They got their position by virtue of the fact, uh, Doris, you know this, you, you know politics, that they have connections with a political party. You don't just mm-hmm. like show up. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. you, you have to have some someone sent you. It's That's politics. So yeah. when you get... John Roberts, I believe, he's never said this, but is worried that the extremists, the QAnon crowd, is taking control of the Republican Party. He wants to save his Republican Party to a certain degree. That's why I think, uh, you know, he was a swing voter in some cases. Uh, well, he, he wasn't just a swing voter, but in uh, gay, uh, gay rights cases, for instance. So I, I believe that he's trying to pretend in the um, he was the swing voter on the Obamacare uh, case. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's kind of where I think he's coming from. Uh, yeah. Yeah. On that matter. All right. Let's uh, let me ask you this uh, about Ice Cube. I've been waiting to talk to you about this for a while. <laughs> Why don't you relate the story? Because Dennis and I were reminiscing. We were back at the old studio. You came in. It, you you were on the show uh, and you went out to get a, some water or something. I forget. Yeah. You would come in, you put your jacket down uh, <laughs> and then you took off. Tell everybody what happened next. Well, I walked in and I think I took my seat. I'm not sure if I passed my phone to Dennis first or to you, but I passed my phone because there was a picture on it or I texted it or something. And it was a picture of me and Ice Cube. <laughs> and you were like, what? Where is he? So he's out in the hallway. And literally, I was coming around the corner um, from what usually when I come over to the Sun-Times building, Mr. Precious Love feels right at home over there. So he runs into the editorial room. Everybody's got his attention. So he's running through the hallway and Ice Cube comes from around the corner. He was there for an interview for something he was launching. And I just stopped and said, wait a minute. And so we got to talking and I took my picture and it wasn't until I got back into your studio and sitting in my chair that I said, 
oh my God, Betty J is going to kill me. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't even think to drag him back into the studio. Man. And I'm a big Ice Cube fan. Uh, I like his movies. I like became the producer he took control of it he's kind mm-hmm. of a role model uh in a lot of ways uh for a lot of actors and rappers performers in hollywood how to do it how to play the game mm-hmm. uh you know i've never had that kind of gumption that he has in that business uh, sense that he yeah. has it's never come easy to me uh so i'm impressed when i see it in other people so I, i've always just like and then he you know he went into uh basketball i don't i know you're not a sports fan but he he he, he owns the three on three basketball league. So he's mm-hmm. broadened out. He has his own clothing line. His kids are going into business. So I'm really, uh, always been a fan of ice cube and here he was so close. Could have had him in the studio. I can't believe it, but never give up. But well, after what I say, what I'm about to say, he'll never come Uh-oh. on. Uh, I was really disappointed over the weekend or we was laughing, lost track of time doors. I can't read mm-hmm. where he, um, came out uh, with the announcement or he made that that Donald Trump was more open-minded about his platinum plan uh, program uh, for to help black America than Joe Biden. And so it looked as though he was like giving a, a sh- not an endorsement, but like a shout out to Don- uh, Donald Trump. And that mm-hmm. caused a great fear on the internet. Uh, and he, st- he stood by uh, what he said. I have my issues with it. Just I'm curious what your thoughts are. Well, you know, I had my issues initially, and I'm, I'm not sure I feel the same way right now, and I'll tell you why. So initially, I was at contract with Donald Trump. I don't want no con- contract with Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Black Americans do not need a contract with Donald Trump. The only contract we need with Donald Trump is how many years he's going to spend in jail when he leaves the White House. Um, but, you know, I look at Ice Cube as somebody who wants to be you know, in the mix, be seen as a um, as an advocate. Remember, this time during election year, there are certain people that we always see out on the forefront. John Legend, Alicia Keys. Um, there's just a number of um, um, Latino and white, uh, black movie stars who are out in the um, um, public square advocating on behalf of Democrats. And I think he may feel a little left out. And maybe he wanted to do something substantive. Um, And so he put together this contract for um, uh, black Americans. But now if you if you look at uh, Trump sent out a tweet, I think it was yesterday where he took uh, 50 cents and he took Ice Cube's name and he said two great, courageous black people supporting him, something like that. And um, Ice Cube responded, now this is not me because I hate this word, but this is what Ice Cube responded, something like, nigga, please. And you could almost just see him doing it. And and his response is almost like a way to say, I'm not supporting him, I'm just saying, if he's all we got, let's ask for something. Let's not let him be there and have us just be mad that he's there, but let's ask for something. Now we've seen that play out before. We don't need any of that. We need Joe Biden. And let's do a contract with Joe Biden. Mm. Yeah, I uh, I saw that uh, uh, that the latest where yeah the, the Twitter exchange uh, where the Trump tried to uh, exploit uh, whatever 
good favor he had received from uh, Ice Cube. And that's that, that's Donald Trump's, I mean, that's what he's done. He has a handful of black people that have either said something nice about him or come out right out and endorsed him. Uh, and MAGA, and I get the, the MAGA emails, I told you the stories, I get MAGA emails by mm-hmm. the bucket loads and they <laughs> they put them out there. And so when, it, and like for instance- points for, day, for days, they call yeah. my show. The Trump heads call your show? They call my show, and it's so clear when they have their talking points. By the third one, I'm like, okay, you guys need to call each other and remember <laughs> who you're calling. Because yeah. once two of you come on and you're saying exactly the same thing, you're not speaking from the heart. You're yeah. not a real voter. Yeah. Uh, but the reality but is, mm-hmm. what's that? Well, you did. You were asking about Ice Cube, but I just wanted to say for people who are big fans of 50 Cent's, is that, you know, he's doubling down. He says he doesn't care about New York. He doesn't care about New York because um, the, the New York teams don't win. And he's basically saying vote for Trump. And he's basing it on some 62% figure that taxes are going to be raised under a Joe Biden administration in New York, California. And he's doubling down in his support for um, okay. Trump. And let me say this. Uh 50 cents. Fitty. I fit ice cube. Yeah, I said I don't fitty, but I call him 50. You still see the F there. Ice cube. These are wealthy men. Yeah. These are exceedingly wealthy men. So really? on one hand, I'm surprised Jay-Z hasn't gotten into this mix. Because mm. on one hand, you know, they came from humble uh origins and they know how hard it is in the communities that they came from. On the other hand, they're far removed from that doors that I'm, I mean, they're the shows they may produce the songs they may write. They may be about that, but the reality is they're in the upper tax bracket and they want to protect that income. And they're, they're speaking like Republicans. And it's like when Willie Wilson comes on the show, he <laughs> speaks like a Republican because he is a Republican, and that's an entrenched interest. And so I can understand if your main concern is protecting your income from being taxed, you would want to be for Donald Trump. Yeah, but well, most you know, people God, in the country are not like in Ice Cube's tax, but me, it's a billionaire. Yeah, he is. He is. It's true. And I just want to say, um, uh, God bless Willie Wilson. Um, he is a friend of mine, whether he's a Republican or not. I don't know if he's a Republican. I've never worked for him on the political side. I've worked for him on the business side. Um, but with the questions around his politics, it's an area that, you know, I'm a Democrat and that's where I choose to spend my time and my treasure. Um, but he, you know, contracted um, COVID-19, yeah. tested positive and is in quarantine with, I think, uh, members of his core team, political team. And so we just want to make sure that, you know, he's done a lot of great things for the black community. He's a self-made millionaire. um, And he is a very wonderful person. Um, uh, Like I said, we're on different sides of the political spectrum, but I do want to give a shout out to him and his health and God bless him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that. Was, I feel the same way. I, Will, mm-hmm. Willie Wilson said a lot for the Ben Jarofsky show. He comes <laughs> on my show all the time, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I love Willie Wilson. 
but he's a Republican. And, you know, we go at it politically. And uh, that doesn't mean I don't like the guy. You know, it's like Nick Spazzato. I like Nick Spazzato. There's a handful of Republicans that I like. Uh, and Willie Wilson is one of them. And I do hope he gets better, et cetera, and so forth. But he's a Republican. And he's thinking when he views politics, he's viewing it in terms of the fortune that he's made. Let's move mm-hmm. It's just like Ice Cube to a certain degree. And they want to protect their interests. They want to protect their fortune. And it's like the issue at, at live with the fair tax stores. It's like, I view it differently. I don't have all that money. You know what I'm saying? I see we have to pay obligations and bills in the state of Illinois. I look at all the money that a Kenny Griffin has that, uh, well, Ice Cube doesn't live in Illinois, but Ice Cube, let's say he did live in Illinois, that Ice Cube would have. And I'm like, you know what? I know you guys pay a lot, but you got to pay more because you shouldn't be paying at the same rate as Doris Davenport and Dennis and Ben. (laughs) But you know what, um, Ben, this is a real serious conversation. You know, this, this thing about um, the wealthy versus the, the, the non-wealthy and, and the value system that exists. Um, We know that typically when, you know, the old conversation of athletes, movie stars, once they make it to the top, they forget about their communities. That's why LeBron stands out so much um, in the work that he's doing, um, the school that he's opened uh, in, in um, Ohio. But it's true, you know, when you're when your economics grow and you become part of the wealthy, your values change. It's more about protecting what you have than protecting others. And that has been a problem, particularly for the black community. And it's, it's shown in no other way than this whole fair tax issue. We see the plethora of, 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 of commercials against the fair tax. And there are so many arguments being made. But Ben, I think I've shared with you my view on the fair tax. I don't think it was ever positioned to win. Um, and I don't think that some of the legislators that sponsored it and championed it ever really wanted it to win. If it wins, it'll be a miracle. Mm. Um, But I don't think it was ever positioned to win. And the reason I don't think it was ever positioned to win is because if you really look at the percentages of the fair tax and how the increases begin to go up, you start at your flat tax of what is it? 4.7 or something like that. And it starts to go up incrementally until you hit $250,000. $250,000. And if you make $250,000, that's the biggest leap. There are about five different categories. The biggest leap starts at $250,000 and it jumps way up to 7%. Now that's smack dab in the pocket of middle-class America. These are not wealthy people. These are people who've gotten over the hump. But from the economic downturn that we just had and COVID-19, these are people that are barely hanging on, even at $250,000 a year. So I just think that 250 is not the wealthy paying more. So if it wasn't positioned to win, what do you think they were up to? Um, <laughs> well, I think that, first of all, let me just say one more thing. It was a campaign issue for Governor Pritzker. How often has he made it an issue since he's been in office? Everybody else is doing the advocating for him. I don't see the kind of campaign that is being waged in the no vote group as I should see in the yes vote group. So I think it is an idea whose time has come. They know that there's enough people that want it. I think a lot of legislators want it, but some of the main ones, I just don't, I've been in 
I've been in settings before COVID where I saw legislators talking the talk about the fair tax and some of the things that they were saying almost sounded like it was it code to voters uh, in the room that we're doing this, but we don't even expect it to go. Do you think it's going to win? No, I've never felt it was when I see, feel bad saying that because some of my listeners have chastised me for my negativity yeah. and they should I should beam out more positive rays. Uh, but first of all, the number total, you got to get 60 percent. Uh, that's it's a tough, majority. That, yeah, yeah, it's a tough mountain to climb. And then they yeah. always go, well, Ben, you can also. <laughs> I'm not they can good say they tried. They can no. say they tried. Yeah, I, not enough. I um, and there's there's a couple issues with the fair tax and the and the effort to get it. Uh, and I've been holding back a little bit from really criticizing it, Doris, because I want it to pass. I feel it's really yeah. important for our state to pass it. A flat tax is so unfair, yeah. and it's just it's not a. a my opinion, a sensible way uh, to fund government. But um, the Democrats are afraid of the tax issue because the Republicans have so successfully brainwashed people uh, into thinking that you can run government without money. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so the Democrats are afraid of that label and the tax and spend label. And so the Democrats, you're absolutely correct. Legislators, they don't want to get too close to this. Even if it would, even if it would help their constituents, they don't want to get that label because maybe one day they're thinking they have ambitions of running statewide and they don't see how it can help them. Uh, and then in a, what's that? a lot of the Democrats in my view that are out championing it, they're in that, they're right in that $250,000 um, category where their taxes will have to jump by um, up to seven percent. They don't want that. So there, they got that. See, that's, that 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 ice cube thing kicks in. Well, I made mine. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you know. But that's uh, why it's so important for us to spend our time and our money, our time and our treasure in areas that support those that have the least among us. Because if we don't advocate for one another and we don't advocate for those populations of the community, listen, Ben, across the state, we still have many, many minority communities that are facing environmental justice issues, that are facing water cutoff issues right in the midst of a pandemic. There are people still losing businesses and, and being um, shut out of apartments, even with extensions on eviction notices. What are people going to do this winter? We have a lot of people in need. The pantry lines are so long, Ben. Mm. Ben, there are people, there are friends of mine who run like Housing Forward out in Oak Park and River Forest, and they'll tell you in a minute. Don't be surprised if there's somebody that lived on your block a week ago standing in the pantry line next week. Yeah, no, I know it's hard times. Uh, and uh, I also realize that if government is going to uh, play a role, uh, that we cannot continue the way we're going, where essentially uh, we're exp- poor people are paying a greater portion 
of their livelihood. I mean, it, it means much more uh, if you take the tax dollars away from a person who's barely making ends meet than if you take the tax dollars away from a billionaire. It's so obvious, so blatantly obvious. And yet that instinctive reaction mm-hmm. uh, that people have to defend themselves from the tax man and, mm-hmm. they, and you That's see, right. oh, Donald Trump's the ma- maestro of it. He paid seven hundred fifty dollars in two thousand sixteen. We even saw it with J.B. Pritzker, but pulling up the toilet so he wouldn't have, he have a lower property. That instinctive reaction: <laughs> I'm going to protect mine. And it's just like this read that's enveloped us, uh, Doris Davenport, and it really holds us back, I believe, uh, as a society. And I, I, I know you feel uh, the same way. All right, we're going to close it down with a discussion about Kim Fox and Pat O'Brien. Uh, have you heard Pat O'Brien's commercials against Kim Fox? Doris. I haven't. I've kept up with him on the race, but I de- didn't hear the commercial. Can you play it, Dennis? Yes, yeah, so where Dennis will play it. This is Pat O'Brien. I find this a despicable commercial. Uh, mm-hmm. Get your thoughts on it. He is the Republican running uh, for state's attorney against Kim Fox, Pat O'Brien. All right. Hang tight. Need a little more time there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought I, pull, he, I pulled he, it up online here, so I got to look right, for it. Yeah. Here, so just, uh, hey, Doris, yeah. how you been? Been good? Hey, Dennis, <laughs> the White Lightning. How you doing? Good, good. Tell us about your show. Who you had on recently, and uh, you know how's how it's been going? Oh, well, rather than tell you who I've had on, let me tell you what's coming up for the entire month of November. Every Sunday night from six to seven, you can check out the Doris Davenport Show on Facebook. We're going to be highlighting some of the greatest black guitarists in Chicago's history. Ben, you're going to love it. They're going to be on, they're going to be strumming, and we are going to have some fun. Six to seven, my interviews will be seven to eight, but we're going to be featuring those black guitarists for the entire month of November. Oh, cool. I didn't know you were into guitar players. Yeah, I'm into music. Yeah, I, I just, wow, that's a whole, do you ever play air guitar? Air guitar? You know, <laughs> Doris Davenport playing the bass. Nice. It's, wait, is that Doris Davenport or Bootsy Collins? I don't know who that was. <laughs> uh, All right, I have the uh, Kim Fox ad. And uh, Doris, if you ever do a special about the world's uh, worst white guitarists, have been on sometime. <laughs> I'm the best air guitarist you ever see. Oh, you're good at air guitar. Actual yeah, guitar? So you're gonna play Kim Fox's commercial first? Yeah, we got. Oh, you want you want an O'Brien's ad first? Yeah, Pat O'Brien. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll play both of them. Here's O'Brien's ad. Since coming to office, crime lover Kim Fox has declined to prosecute a record 25,000 felony offenders charged with murder, rape, drug dealing, and gun possession. Suspects the police investigated and arrested, and Kim Fox said, "Let him go." That means Chicago has over 25,000 suspected felons on our streets, and they're feeling like they can get away with anything. Save Chicago. Fire Kim Fox. Vote Pat O'Brien, Cook County State's Attorney. Save Chicago. Come on, Doris. What a turncoat. What a turncoat. Let me tell you, this guy, didn't he used to be a Democrat? And yes. now he's a Republican. Yeah. So first of all, he's not he's just a not even a loyal person. And in my view, he only became a Democrat because he wanted to get into the circuit court, which is where he held his position as a judge for so long, which I can't even mention judges without mentioning the Illinois. What is the name of the the the, the group that is responsible for reprimanding judges when they uh, do wrong? It's the Illinois 
commission on judges or something like that. When was the last time you saw them reprimand a, draw, a judge? People like this guy, he has probably done so many despicable things that he should be reprimanded. You know, he is one of those people, and there are a lot of them out there, and frankly, a lot of them, while they may not be Trumpians, they're just like Trump supporters. They stuck with Anita Alvarez like like, like white on rice, mm-hmm. and they stuck with her no matter what she did, locking up people left and right. When Anita Alvarez lost, all of her supporters decided that they were going to do whatever they could to stop every program Kim Fox was supporting, to certainly put a monkey wrench into the restorative justice program, which so many people across America support. Her restorative justice programs, even the efforts by her mentor, uh, Tony Preckwinkle, to um, you know, uh, look at the people that are in jail and try and reduce the population of the Cook County Jail, which they have done a phenomenal job with the help of uh, the sheriff. Um, but this guy, to try to paint Kim Fox as a crime lover, and you know he is not going to stop until you see an ad with Jesse Smollett on it because they can't let that go, thanks to Rahm Emanuel and Eddie Johnson. And we see where Eddie Johnson is. Um, But I have to tell you, that is despicable. And I know Kim Fox's supporters are not gonna let that go without a response. And it's going to be one where she's gonna go high, but she's gonna tell it like it is. I know she will. Well, she, uh, we have her, uh, well, not a direct response to that. Uh, the Save Chicago uh, line, Save Chicago, is straight out of uh, Bernie Epton's campaign against Harold Washington back in the 80s, where he said, uh, vote for Bernie Epton before it's too late. Before it's just like it's Trump late. saying, I saved your damn suburbs. Exactly. To white women. Yeah, so uh, O'Brien, in my humble opinion, should be ashamed of himself for that commercial. The, uh, we have Kim Fox. She's kind of, I don't think she goes low enough. I, mm. I, I wish she had gone lower, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, D, you got that ready? Kim Fox commercial? Here we go. An angry Republican who wants to lock him up regardless of evidence. It's not Trump. It's Pat O'Brien. O'Brien oversaw nearly 30 wrongful convictions as a prosecutor, including personally putting away four innocent black teenagers who together spent 47 years behind bars, helping make Chicago the false confession capital. His angry rhetoric, pure Trump. His record as a prosecutor, even worse. Pat O'Brien's wrong for state's attorney. That's Kim Fox's latest. Uh, I agree. She could have gone lower. Yeah, she could have gone lower. (laughs) Thank you, Doris. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Still playing too nice. (laughs) These judges have to be called on. Now, may I take this opportunity to mention two judges who need to be voted off the bench, and they are absolutely 200% being targeted this time, Um, and that is um, Michael Tooman who is head of the um, juvenile department uh, division of cook county um you know he is the judge who who fought and won the right to continue locking up uh, 12 year old 12 year old kids and he's locked up untold numbers of 12 year old children um but this is a man who there are so many strikes against the other one is even though he now has resigned because he knew he was going to be voted out, Mauricio, um, what's his last name? Mauricio 
um, finally, you know, we uh, uh, the West Side Justice Center and and Injustice targeted him, held a press conference, letting the world know. And it wasn't until the following week that the commission I spoke about earlier mm-hmm. finally wrapped him on his knuckles, and he decided, well, he better resign. But these judges, they probably reprimand two a year, and this guy. Locking away four innocent people and he stands on uh, some kind of a mandate of righteous indignation. Who does he think he is? We have to vote him out. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, no, he's outraged about Justice Millett. You, you, you were so correct. They're going to bring that one back. Uh, and that <laughs> I, I kind of laugh at it, uh, Doris, but then I understand the games that they're playing because. Yeah. They have that have sec- successfully turned uh, Justice Smollett uh, in that whole case uh, into crusade uh, to get Kim yeah. Fox. So I still think she's got to win re-election. I, I, do I believe I believe she's going to win re-election. All right, Doris, we're out of time. Tell folks uh, all about one more time the Doris Davenport show and yeah. where they can hear it and all that good stuff. The Doris Davenport Show. We are on WCPT 820 on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. And you can check me out on Facebook from 6 to 8 um, on Sunday evenings. So we're always looking at new technology. We're going to be expanding maybe to YouTube. Uh, We're just kind of learning this whole um, virtual interview thing. But we're doing pretty good. So come and join us Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings from 6 to 8 on Facebook, the Doris Davenport Show page. And Saturday mornings at seven o'clock, give me a call and I'd love to talk to you. And I'm here in my one of my workspaces. We're converting this into office space here. And I'll share more about that next time we get a chance to talk. But we're doing some things over here. That's correct. All right. uh, well, uh, <laughs> uh, who is that? Oh, Muller, Robert Muller. I haven't heard that one in a while. Doris Davenport, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you very much. Stay safe. Thank you for having that's, me. Thank you. That's, that's great. Doris Davenport, good friend of mine, good friend of the show. Do you got any updates for me? Absolutely. We have some updates here. We'll knock them out real quick. Uh, So as we all know, positive COVID-19 test results in Illinois are up all over the state, which means more mitigations and restrictions are on the way. And just like clockwork, we now have Republican Illinois politicians verbally combating Pritzker's five-phase <laughs> strategy to safely reopen Illinois. Uh, Pritzker said Region 5, which includes Carbondale, Marion, and Harrisburg, had reported a seven-day positivity rate of 8% or more for three straight days. The region will have additional restrictions put into place on Thursday, including a ban on indoor service at bars and restaurants. Gathering of uh, gatherings of more than 25 people also are restricted. State Senator Paul Schimpf, who represents a part of Region 5, said the governor is putting too much emphasis on positivity rates, saying, quote, I think it really is the wrong metric to be using when we are making a decision on whether or not to close businesses that are already struggling. What should he be emphasizing? Shout out to the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard. Capital facts his own Rich Miller. He's off. <laughs> Get him on the chain. Scaring me. 
Rich Miller followed up and asked Senator Schimpf uh, yeah. what metric the governor yes. should be using. Here's yes. Schimpf's response. Uh, Schimpf said, I continue to be frustrated by Governor Pritzker's misguided focus on an arbitrary positivity th- uh, rate threshold that is neither meaningful nor reliable as an assessment of the actual local situation. These mitigations, which will close businesses and destroy livelihoods, should only be used when the hospitalization rates and ICU bed capacity data clearly show that it is absolutely necessary. So he says the hospitalization and ICU bed capacity data. Yeah. What do you think? Who, me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, shrimp or whatever your name is. Where's DB, by the way? Did he have anything to say? Uh, I thought you were going to. No. DB, big feller? Nothing, no? Got nothing from big feller. You know, it's interesting. He's kind of quiet these days. Darren Bailey was for a long time was the face of the Republican Party. Well, it is now, deer hunting season, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Sorry, man. Shep now is the guy. It was, by the way, my favorite stooge was Shep. Was that your favorite? Uh, anyway, sorry. Shemp? Uh, yeah, he was yeah, great. Yeah, 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 he's great. Uh, I don't know. It's like, what do you think, man? Do you think Pritzker wants to shut down that, the businesses? And, you know what I mean? I mean, it's like the positivity rate inches up if you don't watch it you'll have a hospitalization you have a lot of people in the hospitals that's the whole point what's the point of having this discussion be you know what i mean it's like it's not like reasonable sides anywhere it's not like it's like in chicago like i talked about earlier the mayor and the teachers union it's not like they're like trying to figure it out working together and in the state it's not like the republicans are saying to jp pritzker hey jp what can we do to help and here's our ideas it's not like jb's listening to them anyway so it's just political posturing but ben, strange situation we're in rich miller ain't done yet baby oh okay there's oh, kids here <laughs> by the way that dog you do a great dog I do a good cat, but your dog oh, is really good. Oh, can we hear good. cat out of the bag? Oh, he's still got it, people. <laughs> but Rich Miller ain't done yet. He then went and read Shemp's response to the Pritzker campaign. And in the Pritzker campaigns, Jordan Abadea responded back, saying, quote, waiting for hospitalization rates to increase means there is more serious illness spreading, long-term health consequences, and unnecessary death. The governor is committed to keeping people health, uh, healthy and safe. The resurgence mitigation plan put in place by the state does rely on both positivity rates and hospitalization rates, but when a region's positivity rate reaches 8%, the region automatically triggers increased mitigations because that high of a positivity rate can quickly lead to uncontrolled spread without additional mitigation in place. We also know that hospitalization rates are a lagging indicator and often increase in the days and weeks after increased positivity rates are identified. Are identified. Right now, hospitalization rates are trending upward across the state, waiting until hospitalization rates, quote, clearly show that it is absolutely necessary is not a measurable metric. Yeah, that's what I just got finished saying. Ah, great minds think Oh, you can work for the Pritzker campaign. Jordan, (laughs) come on, Jordan, you need some help? Let Ben in there. Could you imagine? Oh, yeah. Who let this guy? I would probably last two weeks. Get this hippie out of here, pot-smoking weirdo. Thanks for the information about the bulls, but uh, we're running a campaign here. Yeah, so beat it, would you? (laughs) Lefty, commie. 
All right. So expect more of that throughout the week, I imagine. More uh, Illinois Republicans kind of, you know, pushing back at Pritzker, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Because God forbid they work with them. Well, God can't do that. But what did Donnie say? He was just in Wisconsin. Hey, you need a new governor. I tell you what. <laughs> Illinois could use a new governor. <laughs> that ain't fake audience noise, guys. That ain't Duh. fake audience noise. They love him. Oh, my God, you yes. said Maggie didn't love Donnie. Come on. They <laughs> love Donnie. Hey, it's time for All another right. 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. This is a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Tell you what, <laughs> Illinois could use a new governor. Okay. <laughs> We're doing the update. Donnie, come on, man. <laughs> Can't take you anywhere. You and Doris were just talking about him. 2020 senatorial candidate and former 2019 Chicago mayoral candidate, Willie Wilson. Oh, man, someone is burning rubber outside of my apartment. You hear that? <laughs> yeah. I Holy cow. Slatter in the brown line. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, yeah. Willie Wilson. We were just talking about him here. It looks like Mr. Wilson just got a new endorsement. Is it a big endorsement? Well, we'll let Ben Jarofsky decide. I'm a Trumpocrat. The Trumpocrats. That's right. Former imprisoned Illinois governor Rod Blagojevich <laughs> is backing Willie Wilson in his 2020 senatorial <laughs> run. And apparently Team Willie is making a big deal out of this news. They have scheduled an event for the announcement. It's tomorrow, 10 a.m. at the Cook County Hospital. Dr. Wilson will receive the formal endorsement. I have a quote from Willie about Blago, and then I have a quote from Blago about Willie. We'll do Willie Wilson first. Willie Wilson said, quote, I am pleased to have the support of former Illinois Governor Rob Lagojevich. He did more to help African-Americans, Latinos, and senior citizens than any previous governor. He understands that Illinois needs a senator that will put people ahead of politics. Uh, his seniors ride free program was very creative and helpful to senior citizens taking public transportation. Your thoughts on uh, that statement there, Ben? I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about that statement. I'm really giving a thought to it. Uh, by the way, was Willie supporting Rod McGoyevich when he was down and out? I don't recall Willie Wilson speaking up on behalf of Rod McGoyevich when everybody turned against Rod. I'm just trying to think. I don't think anybody was on the side of Rod. But now I'm just going to try to do it. Just a real honest evaluation. Was he the best uh, for African-Americans, the best governor now, George Ryan was a pretty good governor. Build Illinois, you know, took some good initiatives. George Ryan took a stand against the death penalty. More courageous stand than Robert Goyevich ever took. So, and they both ended up in the federal clink. So, you know, on that scale, uh, ah, Willie, you know what? I'm going to bring Willie Wilson back to the show to have that uh, a discussion. We got to discuss. I don't know, Willie Wilson. I don't know about that. The best you know, um, trying to think who is, uh, well, well, Willie, I guess is no fan of Pat Quinn, um, Patrick Quinn. I put, it'll put Illinois, uh, back to work. Remember that boy, did Pat Quinn get ripped for that. Every time you try to help a poor person, they rip you. Now that transportation, that's the one where, uh, Rob McGoyfish irritated the hell of the powers that be in Chicago when he allowed seniors to ride for free. I was cheering for him for that one. And so was my mother. May I say this? My mom was delighted. She was a senior citizen by then. May she rest in peace. And um, 
Uh, she was cheering, Rod. So, you know, Willie, you have a good point with that one. But nobody else agrees with you on that except for you and me and Mr. Bike. I think Dave Gloatz uh, also appreciated Rob Blagojevich. But, Willie, I got to say, this is, I think it's Johnny come lately with this loving Rob Blagojevich thing. Because I don't recall you uh, standing up for Rod when the whole state uh, stood up. You know, CD, this is me. When people go one way, I just instinctively go the other way. I have this contrarian view. And I was like, the whole notion of Illinois getting on its high horse when they impeached Rob Bogoyevich and acting as though they had eradicated corruption. I, I actually felt that Rob Bogoyevich, when he was governor, was less corrupt than Mayor Daley. Or his administration was less corrupt than Mayor Daley's administration and less corrupt than Rahm Emanuel's administration. But everybody was like pounding their chests. Oh, yeah, we got rid of uh, uh, cor- corruption in Illinois when we got rid of uh, Rob Bogoyevich. Like, they made him the sacrificial lamb. And then Ann Burke swore in Pat Quinn for governor. Ann Burke, uh, Supreme Court Justice, married Ed Burke. You know that guy, alderman of the city of Chicago. So it's like, I kind of didn't like you know, the mob that went after Rob Bogoyevich, and I felt that uh, he gotten, uh, his prison sentence was way too long, and so I was, uh, I cheered when uh, Trump let him go. But to turn him into this, like, political crusader, good God, where was he? I mean, I could just think of 10 progressive positions that he avoided. You know, just the fair tax. He could have implemented. If you really want to be fair to the great people of the state of Illinois, you've been pushing for the, on that front. He was nowhere to be found. So uh, I'm not feeling Willie Wilson's love uh, for Rob Bogoyevich. And frankly, I don't think Willie was feeling much love for Rob Bogoyevich back in 2009 or 10, D. All right. Uh, looks like the people are outside weed eating outside of my apartment. <laughs> I have Rod Blagojevich's quotes on Willie Wilson, but I'm gonna I'm gonna close my window real quick. Ben, stall. I'm stalling. I'm watching this. This is actually kind of funny, ladies and gentlemen. You got to see this to believe this. Dennis is getting up and he's closing his window. I know the feeling. One time we were doing an interview with uh, I think it was Mark Garino. We're talking about John Prine, and some guy came over. All of a sudden, I had a, like the weed whacker and the lawnmower. All right, we're good. Nice work stalling. I could have gone another five minutes. Good Lord, I want to go back to that studio. Okay, here's Rob Blagojevich on Willie Wilson. Quote, we need a senator with new, bold, and fresh ideas. A senator that will listen to the people and not party bosses. Senator Durbin, over 37 years in office, has forgotten about the people that sent him to Washington. Dr. Wilson is a man of the people. He has used his resources to help seniors, children, people losing their homes because of high property taxes, and those who cannot afford to post bail for misdemeanor offenses. Dr. Wilson will make us proud in Washington, D.C. I am very pleased to endorse Dr. Wilson for the United States Senate. Oh, and I'm a Trumpocrat. The Trumpocrat, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, by the way, I'm just going to start with the top where he, uh, Rob Bogoyevich, talks about party bosses. See, now, just like Willie Wilson pretended like he was a great friend of Rob Bogoyevich, which was nowhere to be found when Rob was uh, impeached. Rob Bogoyevich, how ungrateful you are to party bosses. You would not be where you are without party bosses. 
You owe your entire career to party bosses. First, Eddie Verdoliak was your guy. Eddie Verdoliak, former chairman of the Democratic Party. You remember him? He got you your start in politics. Then, the biggest party boss friend you ever had, your father-in-law, Richard Mel. Remember him? Committeeman of the 33rd Ward, former alderman of the 33rd Ward, ushered you right to the front, right to the front of the line uh, to be uh, first state rep, then Congress, then governor. So you wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for party bosses. Nancy, even guys who owe their career to party bosses, D, are ripping party bosses. Man, it's a hard day for party bosses. <laughs> That's so funny to hear Rob Bogoyevich bemoaning party bosses. He'd still be, without a party boss, what would he be? I don't know, he would have a, like a neighborhood law practice, but nothing wrong with that. But he was bigger than that. And so he cultivated alliances with party voice bosses and made it all the way to the governor's mansion. Now he hates party bosses, except for Donald Trump. What is Donald Trump if not a party boss, by the way? Donald Trump controls the Republican Party. I don't see him bashing him. I guess there's only certain party bosses that he dislikes. So he lost me with the party boss line, D. Sorry. Sorry, Rod. You lost me with that party boss line. And that was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. Now with more party boss talk. That was a 2020 Illinois general election candidate update. That guy doesn't know what's happening. We got to open up that state. Okay, that's enough there, <laughs> Mr. Trump. Uh, oh God! Uh, it's my party and a crap I want to come on, D. And that's our show for today, guys. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media at Benny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You could send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. Leave your name and where you're from if you'd like us to read your message on the program. And you can call us 708 658 4788. That number again, 708 658 4788. And no, we're not going to answer. Just leave a voicemail. And I'm not going to, oh, hello, Ben Jarofsky show. Dennis here. How can I help you? It's not happening. So just leave us a voicemail and there's a good chance we will play that voicemail on the program and we'll see everybody on Wednesday. Yes, indeed. I want to thank Doris Davenport. Great job as always. And of course, the man, myth, the legend, the pride and joy of all Illinois without whom it would be possible. As J.B. Pritzker and Donald Trump will tell you, back home at Alton, they call him Dr. Deeb. So for Ray's taking out a petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone. I'm a Trump crap. 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 I'm a Trump crap.
That's correct. I'm a Trumpocrat. That's correct. 